You're listening to the sermon podcast from Real Life Church Pullman, reaching the world for Jesus, one person at a time. Hey everyone. Ah, nice. So I want to share with you how we got here this morning uh, to this series that we're doing, this, this short giving series. Something at Real Life that we feel is important is to do a giving series once a year. And, and uh, it's, it's kind of difficult as a preacher uh, to do a giving series because sometimes it feels, and I know that it's not actually the case, but sometimes it feels like you're begging. Like, I, I recognize that what's actually going on is all of you are, are tithing to God and God is providing for me. But sometimes it feels like we skip the middleman and I'm just up here looking for tips. Um, which, by the way, I totally accept. <laughs> but, I don't, please don't do that. But, uh, it is something that is important to us. We like to remember and recall the fact that we have been provided for and that we should be grateful for that and show our gratitude and our commitment to God by giving him the first of what we have. And so that's, that's a, it's a standing principle throughout the Bible. We as a staff like to uphold that principle uh, and we also like to set the precedent by doing it ourselves. We don't expect anything, you guys to do anything that we aren't willing to do ourselves. Uh, so we tithe. And it's kind of weird because the church pays us and then we give back to the church. It's kind of strange, but it works. And that's because we want you to know uh, that this is something we're all committed to. uh, And we believe that that does more than just provide money to do stuff. It it gives us, it it establishes this precedent that God is the priority and, and the most important part of our lives. And we're trusting him to provide for us. So, this is an important thing uh, that we're, we're doing and, and we want to do it every year. And we decided that we wanted to do it and instead of at the start of the year, uh, after Christmas, after Thanksgiving, we want to do it before those holidays because afterward you don't have any money left. <laughs> There's some truth to that, but mostly uh, we wanted to do it towards the end of the year because before we get into this Thanksgiving and Uh, Christmas time of year where we're grateful for all that we've done. We celebrate the birth of Jesus by giving gifts to each other. Like these are good things, but we want to set this precedent before. That before we get to those things, even those good things, that we make God the priority. Like, hey God, we recognize all that we have, all the things that we're about to be thankful for, it all comes from you. So we're gonna give back to you and make you that priority. And so that's something that's important to us. And so that's why we wanted to do it at the end of the year instead of the start of the year. Uh, and we had this perfect three-week uh, period where our indivis- invis- indivisible? No. invisible series ends and then our Advent's about to start. We had three weeks in between. So we were looking for a way to fill it and we wanted to use this giving series. And uh, Thad had the brilliant idea that we're like, you know what? Let's, let's pull in some outside resources. Let's look to expand and, and, and see what other people have done and, and learn from them. And so we, we thought, sweet, let's, let's give that a shot. So we, we got some curriculum and we found one that was three weeks and we we're like, yep, that's the one, God ordained, fits right in line. And so we set some time aside to watch those sermons and, and look at what they were preaching on. And, and we we're like, man, this isn't that good. <laughs> um, what do we do? And so we, had, we were like, all right, we're going we're gonna to set aside some time, but we're going to sit down, buckle down, we'll get, get lunch. So Adam, Alex, uh, myself, and Chris, we all sat down and we're like, all right, let's, let's take what they've got and, and make it good and, and make it like actually work for our church. 
And so we did that. And I don't know. I don't know if it's a thing that all pastors and all churches have, but at least in this church, it seems like the more of us you get together, the dumber we are. So, and then it just, it, we were just going in circles and just constantly like, oh man, that was, that was a meeting. <laughs> that's, that's all it was. But we were trying to figure out, and, and frustratingly so, because everyone had to get in their joke and sarcastic comment every time. Uh, but we eventually came up with some framework of a plan, and we were all like, yeah, that'll work. <laughs> like, kind of like unconvinced about it, but we were, well, let's, let's go for it. It'll, we'll figure it out. And uh, so that's where we ended up. And we had to stretch it out for three sermons, and we were figuring it out, and it was all going to look good. But then, you know, how things go. We ended up losing one of the sermons and then now we've got this cool special thing which is gonna be awesome next week but we're shrinking down. So it's now gonna be like basically one and a half sermons which is awesome because we were stretching it as is. So now we get to compile it back together. And uh, we decided to take what we could from this giving series uh, that we saw. We take from the curriculum that was good. And so what we have left is this, the, the words, this is what we do and this symbol. And that's it. <laughs> so, what are you going to do? Uh, and I'll explain the symbol because I'm probably not going to use it that much, but the idea being that this, po- this plus sign is, is how we give, that this, this is our portion that we give, and the multiplication is what God does. He multiplies our gifts. So it's not just that God takes our gifts and uses them as what they are. He takes our gifts, multiplies them abundantly to do even more good things. So, we are going to dive in. There was one passage that we really liked that they used, and we're going to dive into that scripture this morning. Uh, and so if you want to look in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 9, I'm going to pray for us real quick before we get into it, though. God, um, thank you. Thank you for all that you've done for us. I pray, Lord, that right now as we dive into your word, that you can meet with us, that you can speak to us and move in our hearts. Um, just show us what you want us to see this morning. Uh, and most importantly, God, I pray, Lord, that we do not just hear what you have for us to hear this morning, that we act upon it. So help us do what you've called us to do as well. Uh, we give this time over to you. It's yours. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, so in Second Corinthians, uh, we're going to be diving into this story. Uh, and uh, I'll explain a little bit, but first let's read verses 1 through 5. There is no need for me to write to you about this service to the Lord's people, for I know your eagerness to help, and I have been boasting about it to the Macedonians, telling them that since last year you and Achaia were ready to give, and your enthusiasm has stirred most of them to action. But I am sending the brothers in order that our boasting about you in this matter shall not prove hollow, but that you may be ready as it was as I said you would be. For if any Macedonians come with me and find you unprepared, we, not saying anything about you, would be ashamed of having been so confident. So I thought it necessary to urge the brothers to visit you in advance and finish the arrangements for the generous gift you had promised. Then it will be ready as a generous gift, not as one grudgingly given. So, dive into what's going on here. First of all, let's talk about uh, 
this letter. It's called 2 Corinthians, and it's called that for a reason. Uh, First of all, it's written to the Corinthians. That's why they call it Corinthians. And the Corinthians are, get this, from Corinth. And so that's, I know, how do they come up with this stuff? And this, and even more crazy, is the second time Paul's writing it. Uh, writing a letter to the Corinthian church. So that's why they call it 2 Corinthians. Um, so that's, that's good news. Uh, but let's talk about Corinth and understand a little bit about them uh, so that we can understand where Paul's coming from. So I have a map up here. And uh, this shows you where Corinth is on the map. So this is the Mediterranean Sea. Israel's over here. Italy and stuff's over there. And this is, this is where Corinth is. Uh, and Corinth, if you can see it, you can see that it is in a in a particular spot that makes it unique and capable of trade because the Mediterranean Sea is particularly treacherous waters. If you talk, Paul talks about being shipwrecked, it's in the Mediterranean Sea. And so it's, it's dangerous to spend time in those waters. So they try to avoid it as much as possible. So they don't like to go around this little, uh, is it called Isthmus or something? Yeah, anyway, they don't like to go around that. They would rather, if they have the opportunity, go through Corinth, unload their shipment there and pass it on to another ship. Or if the boat's small enough, they'll actually pick up the boat, roll it on some logs across the land and put it out to sea on the other side. So Corinth, because of that, gets to be this central hub of trade and export. And because of that, whenever uh, a city's in that kind of position, there happens to be a a lot of money. It is a prosperous city. And on top of that, Corinth is full full of freed Roman slaves. When a Roman slave is freed at this time, they became Roman citizens. Once they earned their freedom, they became Roman citizens. If they weren't Roman before, they are now. Uh, And that's what's happened for all of the people in Corinth, well, not all of them, but a lot of the people in Corinth are these freed slaves, the Roman citizens that used to be slaves for, for Roman people, but now because they're free, the Roman citizens. A lot of people think this is how Paul achieved his Roman citizenship, that either his father or grandfather was a Roman slave and he became freed so that Paul could be a Roman citizen, which is how he's, he's able to make his appeal to Caesar. So Corinth is full of these people. And I believe because of that, it makes them not only a wealthy city because of where they're at, but that because of who they are, they value money. They understand the value of it. They understand how to live independent of it, but they also see you know, the joy of it because at some point in their family lineage, they didn't have much of it, if any. So Corinth is a, a this is the people that Paul is dealing with. He started a church here and his first letter, he didn't get to be very positive. There was a lot of things that he had as opportunities for them to grow. And so he wrote his letter with that vein. He said, hey, you got to work on this. Hey, you got to do this. But his second letter, uh, he gets to be a lot more positive. He gets to be a lot more encouraging because they're doing things well. And this in particular, they're doing very well. That's where Paul hits this point. He's like, hey, you're doing a great job at being generous. I am grateful for your generosity uh, and, and I think it's awesome. And so I'm gonna send some people to come and collect and make sure everything's going well. Now, what's Paul collecting for? That's another important thing. Paul's collecting for this uh, mission opportunity that he found out. He found out that there, there was a need for the people in the Jerusalem church, that they were, um, they were in a particular need. They, they needed uh, finances from wherever they could find it. And Paul, 
seizing on this opportunity because, and I believe there's a few motivations here. One, Paul really loves the, the Jewish people. He is a Jew and he, he loves his Jewish brothers and he wants to reach out to them, but he doesn't get that opportunity very much. They reject him constantly. And so he has to instead minister to the Gentiles. And so he goes to the Jews first, they reject him and he goes to the Gentiles second and he starts churches with the Gentiles and Gentiles receive him, believe in the gospel and, he, and things are going well with the Gentiles. But he still cares about the Jews. And so he sees this opportunity where he can love on the Jewish, his Jewish brothers and sisters and, and yet not be rejected by them because nobody is gonna reject money. So he sees this as an opportunity to be able to help. But also... Paul is particular about uh, one issue that's going on at the time. He, he's had some disagreements. Some people were wondering if Gentiles had to become Jews before they could become Christian. And Paul is adamant because he's seen and experienced the Gentiles and seen how the Holy Spirit moves through them that it is legitimate, that they don't have to become Jews first to become Christians. And so Paul is, is arguing on this case that the Gentiles don't have to do this, but some of the Jewish people still don't see them as legitimate yet. And so Paul is, is arguing, and I think he sees this as an opportunity to show that, hey, these Gentiles are for real. They believe what they say. They're going to put their money where their mouth is. And, and literally, like this is going to happen. And so we'll show you that the Gentiles is legitimate. And finally, he gets this opportunity to experience the global church. That some, the, Jewish, the Jerusalem church, they have the history and the knowledge and the experience of following God. But right now they're, they're lacking money. And so the, the Gentiles, this Gentile church, especially in Corinth, they don't have the experience that necessarily Jerusalem churches, but they have money. And so we get this opportunity where the global church can benefit each other, where there's a, there's a surplus of something in one area and a, and a deficit in another, and we can, we can help each other out. So Paul sees all of these things and is excited to raise money with his Gentile churches to give it back to this Jerusalem church. And he goes to Corinth, and Corinth is very excited and jumps all in and says, yeah, Paul, we'll... we'll We'll donate. We'll, we'll give as much as we can. And he's really excited about it. In fact, he's so excited about it, he decides to boast, boasting about it to other churches. And this is something I really enjoy about Paul. He doesn't go to churches and be like, hey, you guys are doing this so much better. Oh my gosh, I just came from Ephesus. Those people are messed up, all right? He doesn't do that. He doesn't argue those things. He doesn't badmouth any of the other churches. In fact, all he does is go, hey, you know those Ephesians? They're doing this. It's pretty awesome. You guys might want to think about doing it too. Like he goes and boasts about what people are doing well and he's encouraging. That way you know that when he goes to other churches, hey, he's probably saying good things about us too. And Paul sees this as an opportunity to encourage some healthy competition. Like, hey, the Corinthian church are donating. What are you guys going to do? Well, we're not going to be outdone by those Corinthians. That's, that's for sure. So the Macedonians are going to donate too. And they're spurred to action, as Paul says. My grandfather used to do this to some degree. He was a, uh, he was a senior pastor a long time ago. And uh, he used to go when the pastors would convene and go to conventions and things like that. And he would go up to the other pastor and be like, how much did you uh, give to missions this year? And uh, his goal, his goal, he might've been a little arrogant, but <laughs> it doesn't run in the family. But his goal was always to try to spur some competition, healthy, good competition where we're looking at how much are you giving? How much are you doing? What, like, let's, let's compete about this. Like, it's not in a bad way. We're not looking to elevate each other. We're looking to elevate the mission. 
And so my grandfather would do that. Paul's doing that. And it's being effective. It's, it's, encur- it's encouraging each other to spur on the other church. Uh, so Paul is doing that and he's making his case to them. Uh, but he has one more thing to say to them. Uh, and we're going to talk about it a little bit more after we read the next part. But before they give this generous gift, he's sending his people ahead. It makes sense, right? This is a smart move. Like, I'm going to make sure you're actually doing it because I've been talking a lot. And this is a, it a common pastor problem. Like, I've been talking a lot. Please come through for me. Um, so he's, he, he's saying that. Uh, and so he sends the people ahead. But he, he's got a different heart than just making sure that they're actually going to follow through. He wants to make sure how they're following through. It's very important to him that they don't just give this gift, but they do it in a way that is honoring to God. Um, so we're going to read the next portion uh, and talk a little bit more about that. Verse 6 through 11. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly, sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that, you, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. So Paul carries on this vein of making sure that they have the right heart. And he says something that a lot of people have heard before. It's a, it's a common phrase, especially throughout the Bible. What you sow, you will reap. Uh, we're in a, the Whitman County is the largest wheat producing county, Right. And so we understand that there's, there's like, if you sow seed, you'll reap the crop. Now, the problem is a lot of the times, especially when we're talking about emotional and spiritual things, we have a tendency to not think it abides by the same rule. We think sometimes we can sow sparingly, we can sow just a little bit and reap a lot. And that's just not how it works. Paul is saying, you know, the same laws applies. You understand this physically, that in this world, physically, whatever you give, you will get, but on an emotional level and a spiritual level, it also works. And I, I'll preface it by saying, like, there's, there's an important thing to understand. It's not just, like, you're going to get back exactly what you, you put in. No, you don't get it back exactly a seed in return. No, you get back a crop. There's something, it, it has changed form, and God has used it to multiply. And so as we give, and, and notice I'm not just saying give of your your money, but also give of your time, your energy, your love, your creativity, your kindness. Like, as you give of that, you will reap in return something different, something better, something greater. And Paul, I believe, understands that the Corinthian church already knows this. They already get this. He doesn't have to explain this to them because they're a generous church. And, and they already know this. And I believe for you today that, that we as a church, we understand this too because you're a generous church. That generosity in and of itself is a gift. It's a good thing. And in fact, I've noticed this and I said this before, Generous, like the most generous people I have seen tend to be the most happy people I've ever seen. And it's not usually out of their abundance, it's just out of their generosity and who they are. If you're in a constant state of, I never have enough, then you're not going to be very happy. But if you're in a state of, I can keep giving, usually you're pretty happy. 
And so Paul, Paul believes that they understand this and just uses this phrase like, hey, sow and reap. It's pretty simple. And the same, same thing applies to your spiritual life as well. So Paul tells them that, uh, and then he uses a phrase that often gets misquoted that, uh, and, you know, for our own gain, that God loves a cheerful giver. Like, and we, we hear that and we're like, well, okay, <laughs> I'm not very happy today, so I'm not going to give, right? God loves a cheerful giver. I'm not that. So if I'm not cheerful, I don't have to give. And that's not what Paul's saying. Paul's not saying you don't have to give. Paul's saying you have to give and you have to do it cheerfully. That's a double command. It, both of those things are true. And sometimes you'd be like, well, I can't control it. Yeah, you can. You can remember. Remember why you're giving. Remember what it's for, what, why you're doing this in the first place. And I, I'll say this, like, I, I'm guilty of it too. And I, not just on my tithing, sometimes it becomes a burden. Like, oh man, I could have done something with that money instead of giving it to the church. But also just with my job in general, like I'm a youth pastor. And, and for me, most of the days, that, that's an awesome calling that I get to do. I'm excited to do it. But some days, it's something I have to do. It's, it's really something that I have to get up and I have to do because it's a job to make ends meet, to, to do what I'm supposed to do. And, and I don't like feeling like that, but it, it's a reality that I, I, I get dealt with. And, and sometimes I forget why I'm doing this. Sometimes I forget the joy that it is to be able to help it shape young minds and, and show them the love of Christ. Sometimes I forget that because I'm so bogged down by the routine of things. But what Paul is saying to them is, hey, Remember why. Remember like, what was the purpose of this in the beginning. And I have to remember that from time to time just in my own job to remember why I do this. It's, it's not just because I, I need a job. No, it's, it's because I have a calling to serve, to help, to love. And so I do those things and it, and it helps me remember and, and be cheerful about what I'm doing. That I'm not forced to do this out of my will. I, I get to do this because I love my God. And so there's a huge difference between those two that Paul wants us to remember, wants the Corinthian church to remember and us today. Uh, and then he, uh, he uses this word enriched in verse 11, that they will be enriched in every way so that, and I love that, he, he says you're gonna be enriched in every way so that you can be generous again. Like your generosity allows you to be enriched so that you can be generous some more. And it's an ongoing cycle, a cycle deepening your relationship with God. And helping you develop as a person. But this word enriched, in, in Greek, it's, it said autarkeia. Everyone pronounce it, autarkeia. All right, I don't know if I said it right, so, but now we all said it, so we all look dumb together. Autarkeia uh, is, is this word of independence. He's not saying of abundance, he's saying independence. And there's a difference between these two. He's not saying, hey, God's gonna bless you so abundantly so you have plenty to give. He's, gonna, he's saying God's gonna make you into the type of person that you will only care about providing for your basic needs and maybe not even that because you're gonna be so generous that you want to give. And so this independence is, is not a reliance on money. It's not a, a desire or to have that stability or, or to be reliant and dependent on monetary wealth. It's an independence from that, that you know that you're gonna be taken care of, provided for because you have God. So you, with your money, whatever it is, small or great, you, you can give generously. And so that's what this autarkeia means. He's saying you will be enriched so that you can be this type of person so that it doesn't matter how much you have, you're still gonna be generous because that's the type of person that you are. And that continues to allow you to be generous and, and the cycle repeats. And so as a church, he's telling the Corinthian church, like, hey, 
you guys don't just give out of your abundance. You don't like, whenever things like come to you and you have extra money, you don't just give then. No, you give before then. You give out of your, like when you're not even in abundance. You have just your basic needs covered and then you still give. And that's an awesome thing. And we here at Real Life, we believe in this. And I believe that as a church, we, we embody the same thing, this autarchia where, yeah, we wanna provide for us the basic needs. We wanna be able to hire our staff and be able to pay them. Which by the way, just a side note, like I got into ministry that believing as a youth pastor that I wasn't gonna be able to really plan very well for a future. It was just, it's just a byproduct of working in ministry that you, you don't get enough, more than enough to be able to think ahead. But I gotta say, I love our church and how, how much our church is focused on the generosity, both to other people, but also to our staff, that, that real life is a place that cares about its pastors. It means a lot to me. Now I can actually think about, hey, someday I can get married and have a house and actually pay for it. Like that's an awesome thing that I get to do because I get to look ahead. I can pay off my student loans and all of these things are possible because of the mentality here and I believe in that and I love that. But we, we as a church, still believe in this autarchia where we will we'll take care of our needs, sure. We'll, we'll pay for the rent and we'll, we'll make sure we have coffee. We know that's important. So that's gotta happen. But before we start storing up wealth for ourselves or things like that, before we do any of that, we're gonna make sure we're doing ministry. We're gonna make sure we're being generous. That's that autarchia. We're gonna make sure we're putting this money into good use to cover our basic needs, sure. But then before we, before we store anything up, we're gonna give generously. And then if there's an abundance left over, then we can give some more. Like that's, that's how it works. And that's the type of church that the Corinthians were. That's the type of church that I believe we are. Um, let's read on and read the rest of the chapter. Verse 11 or verse 12. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God because of the service by which you have proved yourself. Others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. So Paul finishes this little portion of his letter um, by talking about God, right? We, we, we've covered that plus side of things. What, what, what do we do? This is what we do. We give and give generously and we be generous and we see what that does as a church. But what does God do? What does God do in his side? And Paul mentions a few things that as you give, like you, you literally cover needs, like straight up, like person to person, you're actually making a difference by providing for people. That's, that's one means, but it does more than that. And as you give, they will think about you. They will pray about you. Their hearts will go out to you and this will develop them as well. And you'll care for each other, developing a bond and, and other people will see this and hear about this and, and be sparked in their generosity as well. It, it's a, something that God takes, just a simple act of giving and multiplies it abundantly. So it does crazy more good than simply providing a need. No, it does more than that. It creates a bond and a love and a, and a, a cycle of, repetitive generosity that people, it's contagious. And so God, like Paul is trying to explain to the Corinthian church, hey, God's gonna do abundantly more than what you're thinking. 
not only is he going to take the money you give and actually provide the need, no, but he's gonna do more than that because that's how good our God is, how awesome our God is. So Paul is, is sharing with them that, and I don't know, I don't exactly know what happens to this gift. I don't know what the collection does. I'm not sure what happened to the Jerusalem church. And I can't report to you everything that happened at that time and how Paul used or the, God used the Corinthian church in their gift. But I can talk about you. I can talk about this church and what I've seen here. I've been here a little over a year. In fact, a couple weeks ago was my one year mark. Congratulations, you made it. Uh, first year is the hardest, right? Um, but I've been here a year and I've got to see what this church is about. And we started this year with a generosity series and I got the awesome opportunity to preach my second sermon on, a genero- on giving. And uh, I got to tell you all about this awesome thing that I've been seeing about your generosity that I saw in this church that we are a very generous church. And it's true. You are, and you continue to be. In fact, this year has been one of the best years we've ever had in terms of giving. It's awesome. It's a great thing. Uh, and I've been seeing the results of that and what God's been doing in that. It's, it's a great thing to get to hear and get to see, get to witness what God is doing through our church. And so I wanted to share with you what God has been doing with your generosity. I got an opportunity to talk with, with Dan. Uh, he's the Mr. Teen or Mr. Clean looking guy, right? He was up here preaching a little bit. And uh, people still don't like that joke. I don't know why. But he's a great guy, good man. Uh, if you got a couple hours, he'll talk to you for that long. Um, but he's very excited and he loves to share with you guys uh, about what he's been seeing in the benevolence ministry. And he's not the only one. There's a whole team of people that sacrifice their Wednesdays from 10 a.m. onward. And sometimes they stay later than we do. And they're just there loving on people that are in desperate need, that have nowhere else to turn and say, well, we need something. We need help. And what I love to hear, what Dan was sharing with me, is people know who to call us. That there is a reputation that this church has earned that we provide for people in their most desperate circumstances that there is someone that will care for them. And not only will we help provide for their needs, but we will meet with them, listen to them, hear them, and, and even give them a hug. Like sometimes that's all you need. Like at that moment, someone to come alongside you and, and not just help you, but be with you. And we're being known as that. That reputation is being spread. Everyone is hearing about it. Real Life Church Pullman will help you. And how great is it in a town, on our town, that we're being talked about like that? That people can know, hey, if I'm in a, in a tough spot, they'll help me. That's a great reputation. That's a great thing to be known for. That's amazing and awesome that we get to have that reputation is because of our generosity. That shameless plug there, by the way, benevolence team, you wanna help them out? It's an awesome opportunity to get to help people. And Dan was sharing with me, it's a, it's a great chance where you can just not only help provide for their needs, but meet with them, talk with them. And that's what sometimes they just need the most. And this is, a, this is what we're doing. This is what, how we're helping. And God is multiplying the generosity by sharing with other people. And it's becoming known in our time. In fact, even the Avista people, the people that cover our power, when people get into a desperate need, they know, hey, you can talk to the, re- the church Real Life Pullman. They'll help you. Like that's, that's a great reputation. This is an awesome thing that we have that in our town, people can look to us for that. A year ago, I, I came here 
uh, and we started something new. Thad had moved out of the duplex and the church decided to hang on to the duplex. Now that's an extra expenditure that sometimes it seems like we don't need. But why did we do that? Well, there was a reason for it. It's because we as a staff, the elders, and, and, and you as a church have supported this idea that we want to be beneficial to our society, to our town, that people can look to us. And there was a desperate need that parents were being separated from their children and, and, and for whatever reasons, but they got a few opportunities, maybe once or twice a week to actually hang out with their children. And they had to do it in the McDonald's play place. And there's nothing against the McDonald's play place. I have fun in there, but... <laughs> but... It's not the most conducive place to have your meeting with the, your children that you only get to see a little bit. So what we do, we hung on to the duplex because we th felt that was important. And, and not, not only do you help us support us so that we can continue to pay for that, but on top of that, you went over and above and we said, hey, we, we need to furnish it. We need to give some stuff in there so it can seem like a home. And Man, that was an awesome place to start here at church. Like, I got to see just people rallying away that I had never seen before. And we filled that duplex up with more than enough stuff so that parents can meet with their children once a week or twice a week, whatever it is, in a home-like setting. That's, that's a reputation that we're getting. That's what people are seeing. That's what God is doing because of generosity of this church, because of you. We also get to hire more staff. This year we've hired more people and, and we've brought some on and some of them are actually pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Dad. Encouragement. Uh, but no, it's, it's awesome that we get to think ahead and be able to hire more people and we're looking to do that more. We're not looking to, to grow in our, our own expenses. No, we, we, wanna, we wanna bring more people on board. We wanna be able to do more ministry and we, we've got big dreams. We want to do this. We want to keep going. And it's awesome that in this time of transition, that not only can we hire more people and be confident, but we could just be confident in general. You know how awesome that is, that as we do this, this independency thing, that we're, we're on our mission to become our own church, we can be confident in it? Like, so, there's... We don't have to worry because we know we've got you guys and you guys are, are faithfully supporting and being generous so that we, we can go forward not only like not worrying about our own needs, we can go forward thinking, all right, let's do more. Let's give more. Let's be more generous. And that's, that's the opportunity you have given us as a staff to, to hunger and thirst for more generosity, to do more, to think more. And it's because of the generosity that you have already displayed. So, Paul ends this passage, this portion, um, by bringing it back to Christ. And so, that's what we're going to do. If you are serving communion, please go ahead and get that started. Uh, again, if you've been here before, you've heard this a lot, but we at Real Life, we like to explain this, that we have an open table, which means that if you believe in Jesus Christ, you are encouraged to take communion with us. So, as they pass it by, just grab it and hang on to it. And as they go through that, I'm going to conclude with a few things that I think we should take away. Implications for you. First of all, keep being generous. It is making a difference. I, I, I want to be clear that you're already doing it. I just also want you to know that it's working, that we are making a difference. People are talking about us, and it's not just about the reputation. It's also about the difference we're literally making. As Paul said, that 
You're actually providing needs. Needs are being met. But on top of that, God's doing abundantly more with that. God is developing us as a church. God is developing us as individuals. And God is, is making a reputation in this town that people can look to us to help them. And whether or not they come to our church, it doesn't matter. We're still going to be there. And that's a great thing that our church gets to have as a reputation. So keep being generous. Keep that generosity going. It's making a difference. Second thing goes along with it. Remember it is a choice. Don't just give. Give cheerfully. This is an important thing that we, we always have to come back to. If you're starting, if you committed this year and have been tithing, awesome, great, super proud of you. But check your heart. Make sure that this isn't something that you're doing out of habit now. Make sure this isn't something you're doing, maybe even grudgingly, like, oh, I have to tithe again. Let's go back and remember why we're doing it in the first place. Let's remember what we're doing, what it's all about, that there are people in need and we're gonna meet, we're gonna meet that need that we care about the gospel being spread, we care about our ministries being able to grow, that we care about these things, and we're gonna, we're gonna show that, and we're gonna remember that, so that when we do give, we don't just give, we don't just tithe, we don't just do what we're called to do, it's not out of duty, we do it cheerfully, expectantly that God is going to do something awesome, and we are grateful to get to be a part of it. So check your heart, see where you're at, and don't just give, give cheerfully. Last thing. If we are going to continue to make a difference, we have to give more than our money. Now, if you notice in your bulletins, I actually changed this because I had at first, we're, if we're going to make a difference, but I wanted to emphasize the fact that we already are. We're already doing something awesome. We're already doing amazing things. If we want to continue to do that, something that's important to me that everyone knows is that God's not just looking for your money. He's looking for all of you. He's looking for your energy, your time, He's looking for your love. He's looking for you to, to step out and do more, to volunteer more. It's great that we have money in our benevolence to give to people, but what makes benevolence so awesome is that there's people that will meet with them because they sacrifice their time. If we want to make a real difference, if we want to continue to make real differences, then we have to give more than just our money. Paul concluded this by bringing it back to Jesus, saying, remember what Jesus has done. He showed generosity better than anybody, giving himself, all of himself. And we look back to that to remember how to be generous ourselves, to remember why we do this in the first place. So that's what we're gonna do today. Remember what Jesus has done. Remember that you believe in a God that created everything for you. Remember that as we go in this time of Thanksgiving and a time of generosity, that we, rem we remember what God has done for us. Not just that he created us. Not just that he provided for uh, everything around us. Not just that, but on top of all of that, he sent his son down to die for us so that we can keep having a relationship with him. So this, this is what that represents. And so Jesus, on his last night with his disciples, he broke some bread and he passed it among them and said, this is my body, which I will break for you. Take and eat, everyone. Then Jesus passed the cup and said, this, this represents my blood, which I will shed for you. Take and drink. God, you are good. Um, and the only reason why we have any ability to be generous is because what you've already provided. And I pray, Lord, that we do not hang on to that, that we do not selfishly look to that or, or seek our own satisfaction, our own stability, our own power, but we look to continue to be generous, only taking what we need so that we can give and give abundantly. 
I pray that this reputation of our church not only continues and grows, but it also sparks the other churches, the other places that are looking to help other people so that this town of Pullman can be known as a place where people can find and be cared for. God, I, I, I ask you to continue to use us. I, I thank you that I get to be a part of an awesome church that is generous, that I don't have to preach this message to a people that don't understand it, but I get to commend people for already doing it. I pray that that can continue to be the case, that we can continue to serve you and honor you in this way and make you our first priority. We love you. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for checking out this message from Real Life. You can find out more about us at rlcpullman.com and by connecting with us on Facebook. Until next time, have a great week.